My, since it's my turn, I'll say buenos dias. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I, I enjoy that intro because uh, that, that is what I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm translating all of the, the other way around. Please open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. And I'm thankful that for the scripture reading, we had the context for the passage that we'll be studying today. I'll be reading verses 28 through 32. I'll be reading from the ESV translation. But verses 22 through 35 gives us the context for what we're about to read in verses 28 through 32. The word of God will start with a he, which is speaking about Simeon. It says, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, we come before your word and we come as needy people. Lord, without you explaining us your word, illumining our hearts and minds, Lord, we would have no understanding. But Lord, we thank you that you are good and merciful and you delight in communicating your truth to your children. And we trust in that. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit, we would be able to understand wonderful things from your word so that we may praise you and live according to your ways. Lord, I pray uh, that you would help me as the preacher, that you would help my brothers and sisters that are listening, but that we all together would acknowledge our need for you and that you would bless us richly this morning, that you would bless us with the knowledge of the truth and give us strength to live it out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted to start by asking, what are you looking forward to this morning? What brought you here today? And let us set aside for a moment, you know, the, the, the basic answers. I know, you, I know you're looking forward to lunch. I know you're looking forward to your afternoon nap. I know some of you, you know, the answer might be, well, my mom brought me here. But what is, what is it that we're doing here? Why are we gathering? Why is this day special? Why is this important? And today we are examining a passage where a dignified yet somewhat obscure figure named Simeon tells us what he was looking forward to. What made him get up in the morning, so to speak. And what he was looking for should thrill the heart of every believer. And what was it? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're about to find out. And my goal today is for you and I to realize the many blessings 
that we have as the people of God and that we may respond in praise to God. So we should realize the many blessings which belong to us as the people of God, and that should make us respond in praise to God. And we will examine our passage under four headings, four blessings which belong to those saved by the Lord. First, the blessing of obedience in verse 28. Second, the blessing of serving the Lord in verse 29. Third, the blessing of experiencing salvation in verse 30. And lastly, the blessing of the great unveiling in verses 31 and 32. So four blessings, one of obedience, of serving the Lord, experiencing salvation, and of the great unveiling. And before we get into the details of the passage, we must note the divine work that forms the background for our section. So verses 28 through 32 record a song of praise. It's, it's a hymn similar to what we just sang. And this song of praise was sung by a devout elderly man, and it is centered on God and the Savior he had promised and whom he has sent. And the whole scene is prompted and initiated by God himself. So this is a divine appointment that we're witnessing in our passage. Verse 25 says the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. Verse 26 says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple. And then in the midst of the song, verse 30 says that it is God's salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. And then it tells us that God has prepared in the presence of all peoples. You have prepared. So salvation from beginning to end is the plan and work of Almighty God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit saving mankind by His grace, mercy, and power. The scene is set up by God, but the focus and the content is also God's Messiah, His anointed one, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Verse 25, he is called the consolation of Israel. Verse 26, he is called the Lord's Christ. Verse 27, he's referred to as the child Jesus. And then the song calls Jesus God's salvation in verse 30, in addition to calling him light, revelation, and glory in verses 31 and 32. All these words are referring to the Lord Jesus. So again, salvation is God's doing from beginning to end. And this salvation is accomplished through one man, and one man only, the man Christ Jesus. He is the God-man, born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life died on a cross, was raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, and will one day come back to this earth in which we live. 
Jesus is uniquely able to save. If anyone is to have their sins forgiven and be saved from the wrath of God, he or she must come to Jesus in repentant faith. And whoever does this, the Word tells us, he will be born again, not of the will of man, not of the flesh, but of God. The sovereign, wise, and good plan of salvation by Almighty God permeates this entire section. So we must keep this in mind as we examine Simeon's song. But let us do that. Let us examine first the blessing of obedience. Verse 28 says, He took him up in his arms. Who are we talking about? Well, the first he is Simeon. And who did Simeon take up in his arms? Who? That's right. The Lord Jesus, baby Jesus at this time. And what is the context for Simeon taking up Jesus in his arms? Well, from the perspective of Jesus' parents, remember we're talking about baby Jesus? So he was brought to the temple by his parents. So from the perspective of his parents, what were they doing there? Verse 22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then at the end of verse 27, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Jesus' parents came to Jerusalem in obedience as devout Jews to fulfill what was prescribed in God's law. In their obedience, God blesses them through Simeon. And this blessing is portrayed in different ways after the song. Verse 33, it describes this blessing as marveling at what was said. Verse 34 is a direct blessing from Simeon to them. But also, they're given an additional revelation concerning the child, even painful aspects, but it was a revelation from the Lord. Joseph and Mary came to the temple in obedience to God and left with a unique blessing from the Lord. Now, Simeon lived in Jerusalem, and the text describes him as righteous and devout, which means He was an Old Testament believer, an Old Testament saint, justified by faith in God's promise of the Savior who was to come. Luke had already given us a similar description for John the Baptist's parents in the previous chapter, in chapter 1. We're told that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting to see the Lord's Christ. And the activity we find in verses 27 and 28, it goes together because it was while the parents brought in the child that Simeon took him up in his arms. 
Simeon took the child up in his arms literally, but the sense of the verb that's translated took him up is actually to receive gladly. So the sense of the verb is not so much that he took him in his arms, he did that, but it is that, that Simeon did this receiving the child gladly. Simeon received the child as a gift and a blessing from God. And I find it interesting that a related word to this is found in Luke chapter 4, verse 24, where Jesus is in Nazareth, his hometown, and he tells the people of Nazareth, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And the related word there is acceptable. No prophet is acceptable in his hometown. So while the people in Nazareth rejected Jesus, Simeon receives him. And this temple scene portrays godly Jews worshiping the living God and gladly receiving the Savior, Israel's Messiah. And this was true of the parents of John the Baptist, of Jesus' parents, but also of Simeon. And this should remind us that although we read in John chapter 1 that he came to his own and his own did not receive him, God graciously preserves a remnant who will believe and obey. Jesus was brought to the temple by his parents in obedient and worshipful, worshipful attitude to dedicate the child to the Lord and God testified of Jesus through a spirit-led prophet who was glad to obey God and who was glad to see this day. Obedience for the children of God should be a delight, not a burden, just as the Lord delights in blessing us. So I'd like to ask, do you find delight in doing God's will? That's one of the tests that we can do to ourselves to see if God has transformed our hearts. If we have given our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, do we delight in doing God's will? Maybe there's someone here who has lately been dragging their feet to do what you know is right in the sight of the Lord. And my encouragement is that the example of these pious Jews would encourage you to ask the Lord for strength and delight as we strive to walk in his ways. And how do we know? You may ask, well, I want to delight in God's ways, but, but how do I know if I'm actually delighting in obedience or if I'm just obeying because I have to? Well, when we delight in obeying God, we will praise and bless and thank God from our hearts. Verse 28 says that Simeon blessed God after taking up the child in his arms. He blessed God. Now there's a Bible version called the, the Amplified Bible, and it uses several English terms to try to convey the sense of the original language. And in that Amplified Bible, this verse is translated as Simeon blessed and praised and thanked God. And what follows is a hymn, a song of praise. 
and this is true of all who delight in obeying God's will, we will find a continual inner desire to give God the service and the praise he deserves. Simeon came face to face with the child Jesus, and he considered himself blessed. He considered himself a servant whose Lord had treated him well. And he praises God. And we come to our second point, which is the blessing of serving the Lord. In verse 29, we should notice the Lord-servant dynamic or the master-slave relationship. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. There is a humble recognition of the sovereign master, the sovereign Lord, who is graciously letting his servant depart, which means that Simeon is now ready to die. Why was he not ready before? Well, if you've been paying attention, you will notice that verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon would be preserved as he awaited this blessed moment because the Lord had said so. This is also the reason why Verse 29 says, Simeon could now depart according to your word. Simeon would agree wholeheartedly with Proverbs 30, verse 5, which says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And we have to pause here. We have to ask ourselves, are we convinced that every word of God proves true? Is this our conviction? Are we so convinced that we're willing to hang or bank or stake our very life on God's words, knowing that all who take refuge in Him are protected? Simeon knew it, and so should we. Knowing our God is Lord and Master, knowing that we are completely dependent on Him for everything, including how many days we live, knowing in the case of Simeon that he's about to die, his death is imminent, what should the state of our body and mind be at the end of our earthly journey? It should be peace. Peace, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Genuine and lasting peace comes from the Lord. The unbelieving world around us doesn't know this. And how many of us have seen countless of times the abbreviation rest in peace? We see it, we hear it. But coming from unbelievers, it's completely hollow. That's no comfort at all. Because humans have no ability to bestow peace on anyone's rest. Neither living nor dead. 
Only God is able to grant peace, and he is willing to give it to those who belong to him. Do you want to live and die in peace? Then cry out to the Lord with a devotion similar to Simeon's. Tell God, Lord, you are my master, and by your grace I have believed your word. Therefore, I can live and depart this world in peace, in the full comfort and knowledge that everything you have promised will come true. Nothing of my hope in you will come to shame, not a tear, nor any pain, nor effort whatsoever I may have expended for your sake will be wasted. I can fully trust you, and you will see me through all my trials and take me safely home. Everything the Lord has promised will come to pass. And as believers, we can truly rest in peace because of him. There was another godly saint who was about to die, the Apostle Paul. And he wrote, as he knew that his death was imminent in 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And the response? Praise to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. There is great blessing in being a servant of the Lord. Third, the blessing of experiencing salvation. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, this verse is remarkable on many fronts, starting with how personal it is. My eyes have seen your salvation. We've talked about the Lord letting his servant depart in peace. We've talked about how the word of the Lord is faithful and true. And now Simeon's eyes see the salvation of God. Scripture recognizes what an immense privilege it is to see with one's own eyes the Lord Jesus, God's anointed one. Later on in Luke chapter 10, in verse 23, it would be the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples and saying, turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, we here, we currently do not see the Lord Jesus with our eyes. But 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled 
with glory. Our hope is stated also in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. God calls personally all those whom He saves. We read in John chapter 10, in verse 2, Lord Jesus says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. God's children listened to his words, and in the case of Simeon, he had the additional privilege of seeing the Lord Jesus with his own eyes. And let us not miss the fullness of Simeon's experience, because he not only saw but he also touched the Lord Jesus when he picked him up in his arms. He picked him up, he touched him, and he saw him. Now, was this a spiritual experience? Well, in a sense, absolutely. Simeon's faith in God displayed as he believes that this apparently helpless baby, the Lord Jesus was a baby at this time, and Simeon believes that this baby is God's Savior, and he picks him up in his arms and proclaims, my eyes have seen your salvation. So it is a spiritual experience, but this spiritual experience is coupled and should not be divorced from the physical experience of touching and seeing. We are dual beings, body and soul, inner and outer man and our Christian experience must reflect both realities. We honor God with our bodies. We believe in God with our hearts. We proclaim His message with our mouths. We serve God with all of who we are and all of what we have. Away with the thought that Christianity is an isolated, disembodied religion. It is not. If someone is asked, uh, why don't you go to church? And the answer comes back, Jesus is in here. I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need anybody. They greatly misunderstood the scriptures and the nature of true religion. Assembling, having fellowship with other believers seeing each other, and yes, touching each other in holy and appropriate ways, praising God together, these things have always been a part of the worship of God in both the Old and the New Testament. And the self-isolation mindset of this social distancing era cannot be the norm in the Christian life. Simeon lifted the child and praised God in song, my eyes have seen your 
salvation. The experience is personal to Simeon, but his rejoicing is fixed on this one person, this baby he has in his arms. Simeon experiences salvation by embracing the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must ask ourselves if we are doing the same, if we're embracing the Lord Jesus. We may feel like our Christian experience is subpar, not what it should be. We may intellectually know we should live for Christ, but if we find ourselves mostly living for us, then we know we have fixed our eyes in the wrong place. Simeon found and embraced Jesus and praised God for him. And by God's grace, we shall do the same. We shall find our life identity and direction in the Lord Jesus. The victorious Christian life is lived in and through him. And having embraced him, he will send us out. He will send us out to announce that salvation is of the Lord through Christ and calling everyone to respond to God's merciful invitation. I want to read from Isaiah chapter 55 because I think it's, it's a wonderful invitation that God gives us from the Old Testament. Isaiah 55, 1, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. There is abundant blessing in God's salvation. And he calls us and he calls everyone to accept his invitation, to receive gladly his salvation, just as Simeon did. Fourth, the blessing of the great unveiling. This great salvation which God is now bringing to pass and to which Simeon is called forth as a witness. Chapters 1 and 2, the infancy narratives, have different witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ and Simeon is one of those at this point. This great salvation is described in verse 32 as light. The light came and dispelled the darkness. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, he sang in Luke 1, verse 78, Whereby the sunrise 
shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Without the light of God, we would have been doomed to the darkness of sin. But Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, has also a joyful note from the Old Testament prophets. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Humanity in its natural state and apart from God dwells in darkness. John 3.19 lets us know this. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Without God's redemption, we remain sinners by nature and by choice. We love darkness and we love in our natural state the deeds which correspond to that darkness. But praise be to God, He has sent the light of salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ, to deliver us wretched sinners from the domain of darkness, to transfer us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, the kingdom of light. Jesus Himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life in John 8:12 Jesus is the light and this light verse 31 tells us has been prepared by God in the presence of all peoples Luke in the next chapter cites the prophet Isaiah in connection with John the Baptist Luke chapter 3 verse 4 the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways. That's a lot of work. And why is God doing all this? Luke 3, 6, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Simeon's song widens its perspective in verses 31 and 32 from the personal to the national, from the individual to the corporate. The moment had come for God to reveal in time and history the salvation which He had promised and prepared ever since man fell. Or we can go even further back before the foundation of the world. But the time of the great unveiling had come. Galatians 4.4 But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son born of woman, born under the law. Luke in his gospel meticulously gives us world history markers. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Chapter 3, verse 1, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and on it goes, letting us, this is happening in time and history. Matthew chapter 2 tells us that after Jesus was born, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Jesus lived died, rose again, and issued the divine command to go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28, 19. He calls us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And stay right there. That's enough. And to where? and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. There was a man from Tarsus named Saul. He was on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, and he was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. When what happened? A light from heaven shone around him, and the Lord Jesus saved him. Saul or Paul would later testify of gospel ministry before King Agrippa in Acts 26, 26, saying, I am persuaded none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. This has not been done in a corner. God prepared light in the presence of all peoples, Jew and Gentile, men and women, young and old, rich and poor, powerful and weak, slave and free, educated or not. God's salvation is prepared before all and for all. Let's read from the hymn book of the Scriptures, Psalm 98, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. The nation of Israel itself was set apart so the nations in general would know who the one true God is. Those who turned to Israel's God were saved and those who rejected Israel's God were condemned. So we have the universality of salvation's offer clearly in focus in Simeon's song. And he then praises God 
for the gracious benefits that belong to both the Jew and the Gentile. To the Gentile, specifically in verse 32, it says the Lord's Christ is revelation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, personally, I'm not an ethnic Israelite. I, as far as I can tell, I'm not a descendant from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I suspect most of you probably are not. So we would identify ourselves with the Gentile group, ethnically speaking. So we should ask, well, why did we, specifically Gentiles, why did we need revelation? Because we were heathens. We were heathens. We knew nothing about God. In fact, Paul aptly describes my former condition in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and stranger to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, you were a Gentile this time. You had no connection to the nation of Israel and to Israel's God. No hope. No God in the world. They could have many deities, but they were all false. Quite a desperate and pitiful condition to be in. But Scripture never leaves us there. But Paul tells us, writing the next verse in Ephesians 2, just as Simeon does in his song, that everything changed when Jesus came. But now in Christ Jesus, you, speaking of Gentiles, you who, went, who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. We have peace with God. We have peace with one another. We are all one in Christ Jesus. We are part of His beloved church. Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Simeon sings of God's salvation as a light for revelation. And that revelation is personified in Jesus. The fullness of God in the person of Christ. A concept then beautifully and wonderfully explained many years later by the Apostle John at the start of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Blessed be the name of the Lord for having mercy upon the nations and making many to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Jesus is revelation to the Gentiles. But then verse 32 also says that he is 
glory to your people Israel, glory to his people Israel. I hope it doesn't come as a shock, but Jesus was a Jew. He was an Israelite. He was a descendant of Abraham and David. In fact, the most illustrious descendant of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, the crown jewel of Israel. Both Luke and Matthew give us recorded genealogies of Jesus so that we don't miss that fact. Jesus is the Israelite par excellence, greater than Nathaniel, of whom Jesus said in John 1.47, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Jesus is greater. Greater than Solomon, Jesus saying that himself in Luke 11.31, something greater than Solomon is here. Greater than Jonah. In Luke 11.32, something greater than Jonah is here greater than Abraham. John 8, 58, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Of all the benefits of being a part of the covenant people of God in the Old Testament, none exceeds the privilege and blessing of being God's instrument to reveal the Savior to the world. Paul speaks of the glory of Israel in Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. He writes there, speaking of Israel, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs. And it's a crescendo and ends by saying, And from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Notice the pattern of recognizing God's truth, delighting in it, and praising God for who he is, and what he has done. Jesus is light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to his people Israel. And all this is the work of God, who alone deserves all honor, glory, and praise. God has revealed himself in his Son, and he now expects us to receive him gladly. Will you receive the Lord Jesus gladly? Not because somebody's pressuring you. Not because that's what's done at church. Not because it's going to go well with me. But because you recognize and realize the gracious and merciful offer and invitation that God gives you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Simeon looked forward to the day when he would see the Lord's Christ. 
What do you look forward to? Do you long for the day when you will see the Lord Jesus Christ, not only with the eyes of faith, but with your own eyes, with a resurrected body? That is the invitation and the expectation is for us to receive the Lord Jesus gladly. And the promise is that all who do will be blessed beyond measure. We will live a life of obedience and service to God from the heart, and we will experience the peace and joy of His salvation, believing all the words of God, all the revelation He has given, and waiting for the glorious return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we rejoice in Simeon's song. And we ask that you give to us the peace and the joy that we have seen described in your servants, Old Testament saints. Lord, they did not have all the revelation that we now have, oh Lord, but they believed every word of God. Lord, we thank you for that. We bless you for your revelation. We bless you for sending your Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, I pray for any brother or sister that has been perhaps downtrodden, that has found a Christian life to be hard, I pray for them that they would fix their eyes on Jesus anew and that they would see what a blessing it is to serve you, to obey you, to follow you, and to worship you. Lord, may you receive the praise of our lips, Lord, the worship of our hearts, that you may be glorified in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.